Welcome to Kind On Mind, the podcast with me, Stephen, and today I'm joined by 29-year-old Emma, who lives in Australia. Originally from the UK, Emma now works as an accountant and is currently studying to be a chartered accountant. She's recently gained permanent residency, meaning that she never has to come back unless she wants to. But today, she's coming back virtually to speak to me about one of her ongoing personal experiences. G'day, mate. <laughs> How are you doing? Good, yes, I'm all right, thank you. We've known each other for well over 10 years. We've bopped around each other on nights out. We've periodically stayed in touch via, you know, responses to Instagram stories. But of late, this friendship has kind of gone up a level. And I didn't know anything about your experience of disordered eating until recently. And I still wouldn't have had a clue. So is this something that you freely share? No. Only with certain people. did you feel about talking to me about this at first? Very unsure. I thought it would be a good thing to do, but yeah, very nervous. I worry about judgment. It's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to talk about when it's your personal experience and you're just putting yourself out there. So what changed your mind? <laughs> um, just thought about it and over time I thought, if I can help one other person out there, I just feel that would be amazing. And yeah, if someone doesn't have to go through what I went through, then that would be... <laughs> Great. I think what's also probably helped is that we've been quite open on voice notes to each other, haven't we? You were on the other side of the world, and although we've been friends for so long, it's not as if I see you all the time, or we don't talk all the time either, but we're always there for each other, and we talk about anything and everything now. Like, we're just that open with each other. Is it easier for you that I'm on the other side of the world, and I'm not around the people in your life? I think so, yeah. Why do you think that is? I don't think it seems... I don't know how to... Maybe it doesn't seem as real... Or maybe you're not going to... I don't really know how to explain it. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, bit, it's a hard question to answer. It's not really sure, to be honest. I've been open with certain people in my life. Even my parents, I don't think, know the full extent of how bad I was, really. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, when did it all start? I remember being maybe in year six or seven. And my mom had this rule, we were never allowed scales in the house, so we never weighed ourselves. We didn't know anything about weight or anything like that. And my nan had scales in her toilet, so we used to go to my nan's once a week. <laughs> Guess you step on the scales. <laughs> but I think I remember seeing magazines where they'd be like, it was in that size zero kind of era where they'd be like, oh, this celebrity six stone, five, whatever, looking super skinny. And then there was me weighing myself and deeply remember me being six stone something. And as I got older and grew up, like I was just a teenager, obviously you've got to gain weight. You're getting taller, like you're developing your hormones, all of that stuff. And I remember going over seven stone and thinking, oh my God, I need to stop eating. Wow. Yeah, so really young. So for starters, it sounds like your mum kind of had the right idea raising two girls, that she didn't want weight to have so much onus on your life. But interesting, 
that little Emma found her way around it at Nan's house. It's interesting because I remember being younger and I remember weighing four stone and then I remember going up to five stone and being like, <gasps> yeah, I'm now like, oh God, I'm not even going to tell you what I was this morning. I'm definitely carrying a bit of holiday weight, as Ross and friends would say, but equally I do look okay with it. And I think that is something that we do have to remind ourselves when we stand in the mirror, isn't it? You know, yes, I'm a little bit heavier than I'd like to be, but I do look good. What is that like for you? It's a little bit harder on certain days, I'm going to say. Sometimes I don't think, I've got to the point where sometimes I don't think twice. I just put my clothes on, get ready, like for work, for example, just look in the mirror and I'm like, okay, my outfit looks good, and I go. But then there are other days where I get ready and I'm like, oh God, you look disgusting. Is this what you look like? Look at the size of your hips. Like all this negative self-talk. And then sometimes it's harder to shake that throughout the day. So it will then go into me thinking about food more, thinking about calories, um, all the stuff that I've been working on, not trying to do as much. So yeah, sometimes it's harder than others. When little Emma went over seven stone, is that when these sorts of thoughts started? being in PE outside and I remember one of the girls like a popular girl in school came up and I don't know what like possessed her to do this she pulled my top up on my belly and was like belly 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 and like I wasn't a chubby fat kid or anything like baby fat maybe I'm not sure but it's just stuck and I think that's when it really hit me but I think I got really bad around like after I went through eating issues in school but the real control started after school like 17 18 what do you define as eating issues not eating for a long period of time then binge eating um i was i didn't want to eat in front of people at one stage um even family members i was just like that i wasn't close with i would be like no my mom never like oh she just doesn't eat in front of people like it was just that was who i was i just didn't like to eat in front of so that's one of my earlier memories of disordered eating and not eating in school wouldn't eat lunch snacks and i'd wait till i got home and then i would eat everything in the cupboard because i'd gone all day without food (laughs) i was starving so when you say that your parents would say oh she just doesn't like eating in front of other people was there a label attached to you at the time it was just emma and it just there wasn't enough awareness around disordered eating or anything like that or mental health i reckon back when we were a bit younger i had other weird traits like i don't like my food touching on my plate so so there wasn't a label attached to emma at the time and emma was just emma for her unique quirky self and you know that was that was okay but was it was it okay so what did emma tell herself about the issues that she had and the later controls that she would carry out So you've mentioned controls, and so I'm assuming like, you know, in the early days the control was not eating throughout the day and then binge eating when you got home. Was one of the controls around weighing at grandma's? Yeah, it was. And then my nan got quite ill and moved, and yeah, it just, the scales were gone by then. And I wasn't at that point weighing myself anymore, I was just looking in the mirror 
consistency and like clothes sizes and that kind of thing rather than the weighing myself but it did kind of go full circle and living on the other side of the world there's no one here to check that you're weighing yourself every morning so yeah how does the eating disorder contribute to your emotional well-being it would make me very anxious for example i would track everything that i ate so i knew what i'd have in that day based on this like calorie counter so i was trying to eat 1350 calories a day so i in my head i planned my meals my snacks everything and then if an event came up like birthday you want to go out for a meal i would not cope with that i'd be like how can i get out of this what's an excuse i can use and i'd be like oh i'm not very well i can't come but it was really me not wanting to go and eat something that i didn't know what was in that food like i didn't know the calorie content of it or quite hard like i look back and i feel like i missed out on quite a lot of life without realizing it because i just wanted to be at home and eating what i'd prepared and what i knew yeah and i guess emma goes from thinking that she's just unique and quirky emma with no label mm-hmm. and that's just how we are to suddenly a degree of social isolation because suddenly we're saying no to attending things because we don't know what what calories are on the plate um you mentioned a specific calorie count each day is there anything about those numbers like why were those decided they were given to me by a pt who had my weight and my height and i don't know used a uh, like a, a formula i guess <laughs> and said okay to be in a calorie deficit and to lose body fat you need to be eating this month a day um this much protein carbs and fat she's like you can play around with but as long as you're under this calorie amount and the age you would have been then would have been 27 so the the calorie the kind of calorie amount has only come around in the last kind of two years then has it yeah interesting okay it was another two years and i was also given a meal plan from the gym i didn't know anything about really about like nutrition calories and the macro breakdown but i just followed the plan to a t and that was about 1200 calories okay it started with me it was actually when my sister was out here as well so like we'd go to the cinema together i wouldn't eat popcorn or get any fizzy drinks or anything i would just sit there with like my bowl of grapes (laughs) in the cinema eating them and I remember one time, I'd been on this plan for like four weeks and I was just so determined. I was like, I'm going to win this challenge, I'm going to lose so much weight. Um, And we went to the foodie and we didn't have dinner there. So she was like, oh, I want to get back this. And I was like, oh, I can't. Like, I'm on this plan. And then I was like, oh, it's only one time. I'll just do it. And then the guilt I felt after that, I was like, have I ruined everything? I felt like, yeah, like I was just going to gain all this weight again. And yeah, it was just a bit... So when you say gain all this weight again, there isn't a person in the world that has ever looked at Emma and thought she's overweight. There isn't, I can tell you that. So when we say gain this weight again, what do we mean? I used to be a little bit chunkier. (laughs) I didn't exercise as much. I wasn't obese or anything like that, but I look back and I think I look really fat. Honestly, Mm. that's how I viewed myself. I don't view other people that way. It's just, I think everyone is more self-critical on themselves, but I would be really, really harsh on myself. Interesting. So what age were you around then? This would have been 24, 25. 
came to Australia, I was traveling Australia. And, uh, you know, uh, just traveling around, not moving your body much, just eating junk food, really. And I think it was a, a hard as well. I'd gone through a breakup as well. And obviously, my plan wasn't to do Australia on my own, but here I was. What point in your life has there been any, I think medical intervention is probably the wrong term, but you know, we've had discussions around conversations with professionals about your eating. At what stage did those conversations begin? This is a real new thing for you. Yeah, it really is. And Interesting. Just because I'm going through all these stages of sort of being for so long, like it's very hard to break habits. So it's almost like nearly 20 years life experience, but actually less than 12 months that you've really realised what this is. Yeah, and really working hard to become a new normal. <laughs> During a lockdown. Yeah. In a global pandemic. to you because it takes a lot to reach out and ask for any sort of help and to open up to to me on voice notes on the other side of the world when this is all new information to you is something else but also just to recognize the fact that you're working as an accountant you're doing the equivalent of a master's degree you've been trying so hard to gain permanent residency and finally got it and sometimes we just need those people around us to remind us of these things but if we don't let these people in and let them know what's going on inside they haven't got a clue whatsoever and i guess you could actually say that a silver lining to the pandemic is that it has forced you i don't know if forced is the right word to seek the help that you need yeah and as you know i can fully relate to that yeah having having lived with 
what I always suspected to be OCD for the last 24 years and now finally having a diagnosis of it. So when the news and the media and the government are saying things like, you know, there's a mental health epidemic, it's so true, isn't it? It's so true, 100%. I think I know a lot of people are feeling it over here, Um, especially with COVID. We've been so protected from it. So now we've got to learn to live with it in our community. And I've just noticed everyone seems a bit more kind of heightened up and a bit more on edge because, yeah, we're just a bit, what's going to happen? We're not sure. So with all of the talk about eating disorders and, and mental health, there's there's body image involved in there as well. Yeah. Has that grown over the years? And do you think that your move to Australia has contributed to that in any way? I just think, for me personally, I always looked at these people on Instagram and, you know, the typical, they're tall, slim, like, tones, and I was like, I want to look like that. But even when I did look really small, I didn't think I looked like that. I was still like, no, I still got to like shed a few kilos. Like, just didn't believe like, like the way I looked. But I think now I've got a more positive view on bodies as well. Mm. Um, I've been on, like just on my own body, trying to be more comfortable on my own skin. And I like I've, I've said to you before, your body is the least interesting thing about you. Oh, 100%. Like, no one's, yeah, no one's going to care. Well, no decent person would care. <laughs> well, no, exactly. You know, your personality is what makes up all of you. Do you think those people on Instagram see it in themselves? No. I think they probably feel pretty similar to how I feel. Or they're photoshopped. Or they've had surgery, you know? <laughs> I don't think, I think in, I, like, Instagram is very fake. But do you think that people still have surgery and still feel that they don't feel like it? Yes. I think it's a very um, downward spiral if you start surgery and things. Like, at what point do you stop? Because you're going to just keep finding imperfections in the way you look and you're going to keep going and going and going. And I just think one day you're not going to recognise the person in the mirror at all. So when you're looking at people on Instagram and, and thinking that they're body goals... Does the other part of Emma chip in and say, but they don't feel that they're body goals either? Or does Emma solely believe, they look amazing and I need to look that amazing? Definitely the, the second one. <laughs> but you know what? I feel like we all do that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's like um, seeing through things through like a little rose-tinted glasses. We're only seeing the best of everyone's life. And yeah. We're think- yeah, we're thinking it's better than probably what it actually is did you ever watch jesse nelson's documentary odd one out you need to watch it because just towards the end of the documentary she says we all need to talk about what social media is doing to our lives and it's so true and i'm really concerned i'm really really concerned for younger people they are the generation that are being handed smartphones and smart devices earlier than ever before and yes there are so many huge benefits to smart devices but there are a lot of negatives in terms of at what stage do you let your young child go onto social media and we have our quirks i'm not going to use the word issues we have our quirks from times before social media 
and I was watching BBC Children in Need's appeal show last week and one of the young people who suffers with anxiety mentioned that they are the only generation that are subjected to the world 24-7 and I thought I completely agree because even in even in your younger years if you can think back when you were at school let's say for example like me you were bullied in school you went home and you had a break from it but now they're on Instagram they're on Facebook they're on Snapchat they're so accessible it's not good <laughs> it isn't good I have seen a bit of a movement though especially towards different body types I'm not sure about in the UK but in Australia they did start putting like plus size models in all the fashion and things like that photos but I have noticed especially like online shopping because you know me love to a little do a bit of online shopping they're putting more normal bodies out there different sizes it's not skinny it's not big it's just anyone and everyone and I love seeing that yeah and it's just gonna help I guess younger people especially as much as they have all this social media hopefully because it's already out there they'll see that they do have a normal body completely I fell into this myself I've got to say you know looking at fitness model goals how my body should be, how I feel about myself because I don't look like that. You know, I've had conversations with you about this and, you know, we really do need to be having a lot more open conversations about how not important the visuals are. They're just so not important. Yeah, for me, I was unhappy. I didn't have a life. I just thought about food (laughs) 24-7. Probably, like, dreaming about it, thinking counting calories and things like that. So, to me, I would rather have the body I've got now and have the life experience I've, I've had the past few months rather than being anxious about oh what am I eating next or oh I can't go out at this time it's like dinner time. So all of these new learnings and realizations are probably why you felt more comfortable in speaking to me about this. Probably yeah. <laughs> and the message that it can give to younger people because I don't know about you but like I aspire to be a parent one day and I would just dread the thought of my kids coming into the world thinking that they have to be all of these things and look a certain way just to to have some sort of validation at the end of the day all parents want for their children is for them to be happy and healthy and I was gonna joke and say I can't even do that (laughs) (laughs) say that again (laughs) do you think humor plays a big part in how you get by You mentioned before that you got put on antidepressants back in the UK and you said no questions asked. Now, there isn't a doctor in this country that will, you know, put their name against that conversation because they'll, you know, they'll say that you, you have an assessment done. So can we just clarify, were there questions asked? <laughs> Yeah. But I just think no opportunity for me to speak to someone. So I didn't know why I was like 
down all the time. It didn't give me the opportunity to fix what I was thinking or feeling. Yeah, I just took the tablets and that was kind of it. Like, yeah, you'll be okay. Yeah, and I think that would that comment would resonate with quite a lot of other people in terms of how mental health issues are dealt with in this country and that we feel that, you know, there's that tick box exercise on the sheet and then the prescription that's written, but there's no onus on talking therapies and, and establishing why you got here in the first place, is there? No, there's not. And I think counselling has been one of the best things for me. <laughs> what was your perception of counselling before it started? I remember waiting in the, uh, like being in the waiting room crying before I'd even gone in and seen my psychologist. I was just worried. I didn't know what they were going to say to me. I didn't know how it worked. And, it, and I was in, I was here, I was in Australia. So, but the guy was really lovely. And again, he then had to do another assessment to see what was going on. And it was like over two sessions, he asked a lot of questions. Um, yeah. How do you think that Australia differs from the UK when it comes to this topic? A little bit more open, I think. I haven't lived in the UK for seven years now, so things may have changed at home, but my experience is they wanted you to seek counselling before they would give you medication. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's good. Yeah, so um, they can offer you um, 10 sessions over here um, at a discounted rate because they have Medicare. Um, so you pay about seventy dollars a session um, to go see a counsellor. Which what is that in English? Like maybe thirty pounds. What are your thoughts on that in terms of cost of therapy? Because obviously, as you know, over here we've got the NHS, which is stretched, as we always know. And you know that I have been in therapy for a lot of my twenties, and I pay privately. That's not always accessible to some people. It's a lot of cost, isn't it? Like, it does add up. It definitely does. And especially here, they will take about um, $200 and then they'll pay you back the gap. So you pay £100 and then you get the difference between the 35 and the 100 back in your bank um, within the next few days. So you still have that upfront cost and it is expensive. And I know the systems are really different here, but there's I don't know anyone gets it for free to be honest um, yeah I know if you pay for private health then it's covered but you're paying then like third, like 15 pounds a week for private health so it is costly and I've been fortunate enough to be able to afford the help but sometimes you need to go more often like sometimes you might need that once a week once a fortnight and it, it adds up even going once a month I was like oh this is going to take it my bank's going to take a hit <laughs> I have to see it as an investment in myself. It's like going to therapy is like going to the gym, but for your mind, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and you probably wouldn't mind paying the same amount for a personal training session. Exactly. <laughs> well, I definitely would, because I've never had one of those. What is your advice to a younger person that is experiencing what you've gone through in younger years? My advice would be, obviously, to seek professional help if you are experiencing disordered eating or you're worried it's just taking over your life in a negative way you've got to want it as well so I was seeing a dietitian and a psychologist and I was listening to what they were saying taking it on board I wasn't changing anything because I didn't want to change I, I still believe that 
this was the only way I could stay the size I was or that, that I couldn't just, I had to weigh everything, I couldn't just put stuff in the oven and cook it and not know what was on my plate. So you've got to really want it as well, to ch- you've got to want to change to make it work. Three top tips for getting by. Take it day by day. And if you can't take it day by day, take it hour by hour and break it down. So, you know, for example, with my binge eating stage, she said, you can stop it at any stage. You don't have to be like, oh, I'm today. I'll start again tomorrow. Say, okay, I've had what I've had. I've enjoyed it. And now the next minute, I'm not going to eat anything else. Or, you know, I'm going to make a healthier choice or something like that. I would say go outside, be outdoors. I feel like that's helped me a lot. Like, just go for walks and not being stuck inside and on my phone and getting lost. Like you say, in the social media world, just comparing myself to other people. Just get out there. You might meet meet people on your walk, say hello, and it just makes you feel better, personally. Does for me, and it helps me. Oh, a third one. Ah, love yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just do it. I have absolutely loved speaking to you today. Aw, thank you. Same, I've loved it. Was it as bad as what you thought it'd be? Not at all.